Tyler Smith here with another more than one lesson mini-sode. Before we get started, I wanted to explain to everybody what this is. Um, Up until recently, the primary format of our mini-sodes have been the the best of pictures series that I've been going through with Josh, talking about the, the various movies that have won best picture over the years. But we're doing something a little bit different now. We will get back to that series, but... To be honest, there's a chance that Josh is going to be out of town for like two months, and I didn't want to wait until he got back to continue doing minisodes. Uh, so I decided like, okay, well, what's another series that we could do? And you may recall that uh, at this point, a couple years ago, uh, we put out a call to listeners to put together a top 50 movies of all time list. Uh, which we did, and we did an episode about it with me and all three co-hosts, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, so I thought, oh, maybe that's something we can do is go through the top 50. I mean, that was a long episode, and we did go through a lot of the movies, but we didn't talk about them necessarily at length. And so I thought, okay, let's do a mini-sode per movie uh, and talk about its inclusion on the list and just our general associations with it. And so that's that's the plan. That's what the Minisode series is going to be for a while. And then once we start up Best of Pictures again, we're still we are then going to have two Minisode series going and we'll just see what we can do with it. Uh, It'll be a lot to juggle, but hopefully there will be a whole bunch of movie discussions uh, and maybe some some good recommendations out of it. But uh, but today we're going to be talking about a movie that my guess is you've probably seen because everybody has seen it. Um, I remember years ago, my, uh, a friend of mine, uh, was talking about the Tom Petty album, full moon fever and said that everybody had it. Like everyone just seems to have it almost like it, it just comes with the stereo you buy. It's as though buying it is not actually optional. Um, And in that same way, I feel like today talking about Rob Reiner's uh, The Princess Bride, it feels like that. Like everybody's just born having seen it somehow. And uh, and so that's so I'm not going to be saying anything that probably has not been said or written before. But uh, but that's all right. Uh, We got to got to start somewhere. But first, I want to let everybody know that this minisode is sponsored by Faith Life TV, which is a streaming service that specializes in uh, feature length films, documentaries, uh, short series, sermons, basically all kinds of films uh, and resources for a Christian audience. So uh, you can go to morethanonelesson.com and click on the Faith Life ad, and that will take you where you need to go to get your first month for free. After that, it costs four ninety nine a month. And I wanted to first mention uh, a series that they recently added, at least at, at the time of recording. Uh, the series is called Following the Messiah, which uh, is a documentary series. There are 10 episodes. Each one is about 30 minutes long. Uh, some of them are a little bit shorter, but it goes through uh, essentially the Holy Land and 
sees the world in which Jesus lived. Um, it's very easy, especially for us in the U.S., to picture these places, but not re- we're probably picturing something from a movie. Uh, and whenever you talk to somebody who goes to visit, you know, Israel or something like that, and they go to Jerusalem and they think, Oh no, this is the actual place. Uh, this isn't some version in my mind. It's the actual place. So that's what this documentary following the Messiah is all about. Like I said, there are 10 episodes and then it looks like there are three like mini sodes, each one about 15 minutes long. So, uh, so you can find that at faith life TV. And once again, if you go through more than one lesson, you get your first life, uh, you get your first, uh, month, pardon me for free. Uh, okay. So talking about the princess bride and I'm not doing it by myself. All right. I've had enough of that. Instead, I'm going to welcome in our favorite co-hosts, Reed Lackey. Reed, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm a favorite this week. You know, yeah, I'd say that's probably about right. Like, <laughs> whoever is in front of me is my favorite co-host, unless it's Josh. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, okay. How you doing, Reed? It's been a while. It has been a while. No, I'm, so, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, everything's going all right. Uh, I probably uh, apologized. I, we're recording these episodes all out of order. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably apologized already, but uh, wanted to say to everybody, sorry that there was such a long gap in between uh, our... Uh, Black Panther episode and this episode or, or, or really anything. Um, I guess I brought the show back before I was logistically able to, and we got a good month of content and then a long stretch of nothing. So sorry about that. But, uh, a reminder that you can still go to more than one lesson.com and there are reviews and articles and their episodes of the fear of God episodes of two geek soup. Uh, there's still a lot of stuff to, to, to do at more than one lesson.com. And we will be recording more actual episodes. Uh, as of recording today, there are two more minisodes recorded and banked. And so at least for the next probably six weeks, there will be content in this podcast feed. So thank you as always for your patience. Uh, and Reed, thank you for your patience as well. Oh, of course. No, I'm, so, I'm delighted. Thank you I'm joking. Much. Of course, every day you would text and say, when's it coming back, man? I got to get back out there. Yeah. Well, I got to get my, my name and lights. I know it was a bit extreme when I would keep showing up at your house. Yeah. You finally got that to stop, yeah, but you would show up with your comically large Mountain Dew and say i'm ready to record yeah i think the restraining order was a bit much but i understood it i understood the way i see it my tax dollars are going (laughs) to you know the the state of california i want to try and use that if i can Mm -hmm. and you've been bothering me lately so what can i how can i bring these together (laughs) that's the way i see it um so uh okay the princess bride a movie that i believe you really enjoy i do oh no i love it you Um, love it I, i love it and have since i first saw it when i was a child um I forget exactly, and I'm remiss and feel like a bad co-host. I forget exactly what year it came out. 87? 87. Oh, wow. Right off the top of my head. Um, but the I forget exactly when I saw it. I did not see it in the theater, mm-hmm. but I saw it pretty soon after its home video release. And uh, from the moment that I saw it, I've, I've always enjoyed this film. And it is one that is kind of firmly entrenched in my mind as a, as a modern classic. Mm-hmm. It is something that I think has earned its bona fides in terms of cultural recognition, uh, both for certain lines, uh, but also just the characters and the general aesthetic of the film. Mm -hmm. So I, so yeah, it's one that, um, 
is, is very much a part of my, my favorites list as it were. Yeah. I really do love it. Yeah. And, uh, to jump ahead a little bit, um, so the, the basic format of these minisodes is going to be sort of a general discussion, but at the end of the episode, we will talk about its inclusion on the list. So I'm jumping ahead a little bit there, and I will say that, uh, so this is number 50 on the list. Right. It was a tie mm-hmm. between this and The Dark Knight. Yeah. And the person that made the decision was me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think I probably personally like The Dark Knight more, and I think mm-hmm. from a filmmaking standpoint, there's a lot more going on, and thematically, it's something I can really latch on to. But what? Oh, I just said interesting because I don't know. I think I would disagree. Okay, um, but I think I think that's the thing is Princess Bride has shown itself. Mm. I mean, at this point, Dark Knight is ten years old. Yeah, um, that's true. So it's yeah. been around a while, and people yeah. still remember it pretty fi- pretty fondly, but. Uh, Princess Bride has been around for 31 years and everyone has seen it. Everyone acknowledges that it is a, at the very least, a very well-written film, Mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of heart and a lot of humor. And based on that, based on its cultural legacy, as you were talking about, um, that's what made me include it at number 50 and put dark Knight at basically 51. Sure. Uh, right, some right, people right. might disagree. Um, and, but it's also so difficult to compare them. Like I was talking about the yeah. filmmaking and dark Knight is one could say more ambitious. I do agree with that. Except princess bride is, a, is as ambitious as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just the nature of, of, of the films themselves. Um, sure. But yeah. So I picked, Princess Bride. If it were up to you between those two movies, which one would you pick? Uh, unquestionably Princess Bride. Okay, got it. Because I think that Dark Knight, um, uh, D- Dark Knight is a wonderful film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would even, I mean, I feel like it deserves every inch of the cultural sort of um, platform that it's been given. Mm-hmm. Um, however, and this is not an episode about the dark Knight, but I'll just give my comments about why I think it deserves 51. Mm-hmm. Um, and listeners will probably rake me across the coals for this. Yeah. But when you begin to pick apart the narrative structure of the dark Knight, yeah. it does not hold up as cohesively as even Batman begins does. Uh, that's very true. Yes. And so, and where I feel that it excels, excels more so than in princess bride is in the thrill of certain individual moments. Mm-hmm. There are a multitude of individual moments in Dark Knight that are more thrilling, compelling, and provocative than probably anything in Princess Bride. Right. But when you take a step back and look at the film as a whole, yeah. uh, Princess Bride is much more thematically cohesive. I feel like it's much more, uh, despite everything that it is juggling, I feel like it's much more fluid, and I feel mm-hmm. like it's uh, it holds together much more substantially than, uh, again, looking at just the narrative of the dark Knight, the individual beats of that story. Um, and so that's, that's why I think, I mean, again, uh, Nolan as a filmmaker and the dark Knight and Batman as an icon in pop culture is uh, indisputable. Mm -hmm. But I do think if I was looking at just Rob Reiner's film and Christopher Nolan's film, I would give the edge to Reiner because some people are still talking about and referencing Princess Bride. And as you mentioned, it's got three decades of time to be forgotten. Whereas I don't think the dark Knight will be forgotten. I really don't think it will, but, um, but uh, you know, it's, it's the, uh, the adolescent in that group as opposed to the seasoned adults and Princess Bride. So, 
And I think Dark Knight is part of a genre that, it, like, it came out right in the midst of this superhero, sure. uh, the emergence of the superhero genres. It came out the same year as Iron Man, which kicked off the MCU. Right. And since then, you know, you've got M- the MCU, you've got whatever Warner Brothers is trying to do, uh, <laughs> and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I don't, I think people still see the Dark Knight as a sort of high water mark, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. You know, since then we've gotten another Batman. We've gotten another yeah. Joker. Yeah. Um, there was a nut. There was you know the Dark Knight Rises, which was not as good, and I don't think that necessarily taints the Dark Knight so much as actually elevates it. But I, I do think that that there's so much more to compare it to now. Yeah. Like that. Like yes, it's been out for ten years, but that's ten years of some pretty great movies in that genre being Absolutely. released. Yeah. And and I think that does kind of bring to light some of the some of the bigger flaws in the dark knight and i would say they are structural i'd say it's yeah, a, it yeah. is a i'm not sure if i'd say it's a mess but it is messy mm-hmm. um yeah. and thematically i do think that just the idea of talking just everything joker says is very is something that i think christians can really seize upon yeah and, oh, and really examine not unlike no country for old men yeah uh, in that regard and so I do like it for that reason. Sure. Um, but yeah, but of course in talking about structure, William Goldman wrote, uh, princess bride yeah, and he is yeah. maybe the most consistent writer in Hollywood. Yeah. You always know you're getting something good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ever written something that I find extremely challenging. Okay. He writes stuff that I find extremely satisfying Yeah. with maybe some bits of, of, satisfying conflict, but that's not quite the same as something being thematically challenging. William Goldman is a, is a great writer. Um, I do wonder if, if just his sensibilities are something of a throwback Mm. to classic Hollywood and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Um, but I would agree. I feel like even with princess bride, but also just Goldman's entire catalog, I feel like there's definitely a, um, an older sensibility yeah. to everything, the, the, the romance. And I say romance, not just in terms of, you know, relationship status, yeah. but just the romance of fantasy and adventure is yeah. just saturates it. And that's something that's definitely going back to, you know, the forties and fifties and your Errol Flynn yeah. and, and all sure. of that kind of thing. So yeah, I would agree. And I remember back, uh, uh, in school or more specifically, I'm supposed to now say when I did my undergrad, that's what we, <laughs> that's what we say now. Oh, we, I we have, uh, you know, master's degrees, whatever. It's fine. Um, <laughs> in a screenwriting class, we read an article by William Goldman and I don't remember much of what he said, but I do remember one thing very specifically. He, he addressed several modern movies within it, but one of the things he talked about was the film unbreakable. Oh, and he talked about the twists of unbreakable, which is actually more of a reveal, but Right. He said that he did not find it very impactful. Mm. Um, and I'll go ahead and say, spoilers for Unbreakable. Uh, basically, the the role that Samuel Jackson's character has played in yeah. the larger story. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says that that was not very impactful for him because he said the film answers a question that we weren't asking, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is. You know, it says, oh, look, what what do you think of this guy? And it's like, well, we all thought he was kind of weird, but nobody was asking who was behind this train wreck, like train's right. wreck. That right, It right. happens. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I thought like, yeah, that makes sense, William Goldman. Since then, I realized that 
well, that you're talking about classic structure, which is we need to always be like the film needs to present us with at least one question mm-hmm. that it then answers. Right. And that answer right. should be, should have some kind of impact. And in his mind, it wasn't asking a question, but it still provided an answer, which I think is more of a modern concept, certainly right. in, right. in thrillers and suspense and that sort of thing. And so that in retrospect, I look at that and I think, I think he still made a good point, but I think it, it comes out of a very specific theory of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, one that many of us agree upon and that is probably the most effective and the most satisfying. But if somebody chooses to operate outside of that, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not inherently a flaw. Yeah. Um, as he seemed to, to assume. So, uh, I don't mean to bash William Goldman again. He's a a very dependable writer. And I think, uh, princess bride is a very, a very solid entertaining script Mm -hmm. on every Mm -hmm. level. It's, it's, it's kind of impenetrable. I think it's something of a trifle, but that's me. Oh, Um, sure. Sure. And and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not trying to be, you know, incredibly deep or anything. No. So more provocative. Right. And I think here, here we, we hit my own, uh, issues with, uh, the princess bride, which are just, I think purely a function of preference. Princess bride is a very well-made film, Mm -hmm. wonderfully acted, very well written. But I think in the end, I just see it as, as what I just said, a trifle, which sounds insulting. It's more just, I view it as, as light as, you know, light as a feather, right? Right. Incredibly watchable and rewatchable, mm-hmm. but precisely because it's not going to really bring anything. It's, it, it, it feels almost like comfort food. Yeah. You know, something right. that you'll go back to cause you always know what to expect and you're not going to see anything new every time you see it. There are some movies right. that no matter how many times you watch them, when you see it again, you think, oh, I didn't notice that. You're not going to get that with Princess Bride. Right, right. And that's not a crime, mm-hmm. but it will keep it from, it will keep me from embracing it the way some people do. Okay. And I think that's fair. Uh, when you, just when you were laying out that, that notion, I was thinking a bit about comedy and in general, the, the idea of you, you tell a joke for at least one primary reason, and that's just to make someone laugh. Hopefully Mm -hmm. someone will find it funny. But then there are jokes that also there's a lot going on in the joke. There's social commentary, there's satire, there's Mm -hmm. uh, subversion. There could be any number of other things going on. But uh, there's also the possibility of just a really well-crafted joke that is benign and and innocuous, and it can just make you laugh. And I think that depending on your sensibilities mm-hmm. some people may really want something edgier more provocative and right. and like you said that that may be what they lean to and that may be what they really get excited about yeah but as you mentioned it's no it's not a crime for someone to really just like hey that that was just a, a well-written joke and yeah. it made me laugh and that's and so i think that the princess bride does sort of fit a bill for for those who do just I keep coming back to they just they they want something entertaining mm-hmm. that is engaging. It's not mind numbing. It's right. not it's not some of what you could point to um, just cash grabs or you know utterly uh, thrown together pieces yeah. of quote unquote entertainment that just get by on. Uh, absurd coincidence. Yeah. And Um, it's not a joke machine either. Like one of my favorite comedies is airplane. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's it. Now that might be a thing that you see something new every time because they throw so many jokes at you. Sure. Right. 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 Um, right. But it's not like it's challenging by any stretch. Like it's just there. It's, it's, it's pure parody. 
you're not going to get anything out of it. Right. Um, and Princess Bride is not that either. Like it definitely has a, a specific structure, a specific story with characterizations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's consistent throughout. So it, it does kind of occupy this, this space in the comedy world that, yeah, like the, it's not remarkably edgy. It's not very absurd. Right. Uh, it might be a little bit meta at times and mm-hmm. certainly anachronistic, um, but it, and it has a lot of laughs, but it's not, they're not airplane or Monty Python type laughs right. where they just right. throw it at you. Like it's this, this very pleasant and entertaining, consistent mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. Um, and that sounds like when I say it, it sounds like I'm damning with faint praise. Like, oh, it's very pleasant. Like, who, who wants a pleasant movie? <laughs> sure, you right, know? right, right. Um, uh, many people, though. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of my favorite movies of the last few years is Brooklyn, which I think is a remarkably pleasant film. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You and know? Brooklyn definitely has like a, a it's got a, a more thoughtful tone mm-hmm. to where it, it makes you. Uh, sort of dive a little deeper into conditions of, yeah. you know, just sort of feeling out of place in the world around you and finding a new home and everything. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking too about Princess Bride of, of just this sense of adventure. Mm-hmm. So um, have you read C.S. Lewis's experiment in criticism? No. Okay. So I would strongly encourage you and any listeners to, to check out the book. It's, it's all based around literature but I think there are some principles that could be applied to film. Oh, sure. The thesis of C.S. Lewis's experiment in criticism, there's no theology to it whatsoever. I know C.S. Lewis is normally known for theology, but it's all mm-hmm. just, uh, this one is purely an academic essay. And he's, he basically challenges his readers to consider the value or the worth of a product, not by how it is written, but by how it is read. So sure. in other words, you look at um, a piece of material uh, he said, basically, people would dismiss, contemporaries of his time, would dismiss Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. Sure. So they would dismiss it as, well, that's just popular fare. Right. But he said, but it, it's going to be talked about long after your academic high marks are yes. forgotten. Uh, that's going to be what speaks to the people. People are going to continue to revisit it. So he said, right. the type of work that invites constant revisitation for mm-hmm. whatever reason that is. Yeah. Some people, as we were talking about earlier, may it may invite revisiting the material because this makes me think. I see something right. new every time. It's provocative. It's subversive. Yeah. It's whatever. It's something like I'm revisiting it so that I can further unpack it. Exactly. And then some stuff, it's unpacked, but it's fun. Exactly. I just yeah. enjoy this adventure. Right. I enjoy this story. I enjoy these characters. And if you are continually drawn to wanting to experience something simply because of the affection you have for it. Lewis's thesis in experimenting criticism is he believes you should take that as worthwhile and notable and allow the two to sit on the same shelf together. Even if one would be viewed as more populist, less academic, but allow it to sit on the same shelf because audience members who enjoy it continue to revisit it for whatever reason. Right. Um, so it's, it's a thoughtful essay. I would, I would encourage anybody to check it out. And it definitely fits with the idea of, um, Sullivan's travels. If you ever saw that, See, film. I never have, I'm, I, I've almost seen it a couple of times, but I okay. never got to it. It's and it, it brings up this idea that in, in the art world, whether it be criticism or academia or creation, there is this attitude that the most worthwhile art is the kind that challenges you. Mm. And, you know, maybe there's something to that, but it's not as though it's that to the exclusion of art that 
you find enjoyable. Right. Right. You know, it's, I've been watching a lot of comedians and cars getting coffee lately. <laughs> I still um, need to see that show. I'm curious it's, about it's it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And now there are times when I feel like Jerry Seinfeld is, is, he's almost a missionary for comedy as a thing, mm, mm. uh, as a, as a concept and as something to be taken seriously. Um, there are times when I feel like he overstates the value of stand-up comedy and I'm somebody who loves stand-up comedy, mm. but the way he talks about it is, uh, kind of lofty and it almost feels like somebody trying desperately to justify their own ex- existence, oh, I see. which, yeah. you know, and as somebody who is an academic and a critic, like, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I think we're important, but I also recognize that not many other people do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, one thing that he regularly says is that people just don't see stand up as art, unless of course you're bringing in political stuff or, or something right, like that. Right, but right, right, right. that's not him. Certainly mm-hmm. Seinfeld, like he just, it's just observational comedy and it's fairly light mm-hmm. and people would say like, well, that's not art. And it's like, well, somebody is creating something for the purpose of getting a response that is both intellectual and instinctive. Right. How is that not art? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so yeah, princess bride might be light, but that doesn't mean that it's not art and it doesn't mean that it's, that it is less valuable than, you know, Schindler's list or something right, like that. Right. Of course. Uh, of course. And in fact, I would say that the fact that both of them exist and are, uh, both, uh, vital, eh, vital. Is that the word? Significant. They're both. Yeah. Okay. The fact that they're both significant, they're both taken seriously. I feel like that enhances both of them. Mm -hmm. I agree that you have this extremely serious film and then this very funny film and that like, yeah, but between the two and you might be inclined to take one of them more seriously, but look at life. Life does incorporate both. It has light, airy moments that are, that might stay with you just as much, if not more than the more serious moments of life. Certainly. And so yeah. So a lot of what we're talking about, it was not my, what I expected, but this is, this has always been my experience of the princess bride. Like mm-hmm. some people just let themselves love it. Mm-hmm. And even though I've seen it many times, it being so light, which is not the same as shallow, no, of it course, being right. so light is, is something that just ever kept me from embracing it. Like it's, I've made several top hundred lists. It's never been on it. Mm. Uh, not because it's bad. No, I think it's sure, maybe sure. A, it might quite possibly be perfect for <laughs> what it is trying to do. For what it's trying to do. Sure. Um, yeah. 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 But yeah. So what is it that you, and, and we should probably start wrapping up, but what yeah. are, what are some of the things that you love about the film? That I just am drawn to. I love yeah. the, I love the characters specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, the performances I think are unilaterally really, really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was my first experience of Wallace Shawn sure. uh, as Fezzik and, uh, then, uh, or no, that's not Fezzik. Uh, Vicini. Uh, Vicini. Yes. Yeah. Um, Fezzik is, uh, Mandy Patinkin, but so, uh, or is he Andre the Giant? I believe that's Andre the Giant. See, I, this shows you how uh, how insignificant uh, this yeah. movie is. But it's no, really sticking with you. I know, right? Um, no, so I, but I do love the characters. One of the things that I uh, really appreciate about the overall tone is, as we mentioned, it's light, uh, even when it's getting into subjects that in another film might be, you know, severely too dark, mm-hmm. uh, like 
a machine that rips away years of your life, yeah. you know, a torture machine. Yeah. Uh, Rob Reiner managed to fit a tor- a scene of torture into a kid's movie and nobody seems to mind. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's something that, uh, uh, again, speaks to the tone. He's, he's, hit on exactly the right tone. I like the affection, not only that most people seem to have for the movie, that, but that the film seems to have for its characters. Mm-hmm. Um, indicated, I think, by the framing story, Peter Falk talking to, yeah. you know, telling, I think there's a real anchor in the fact that the movie itself is really within this larger story of an older generation, t- talking about this classical style, an yeah. older generation sharing stories that they loved with a younger generation and then mm-hmm. watching that younger generation fall in love with that story. Right. And and having that dynamic, you know, Peter Falk reading the story to his grandson, having that dynamic then to conclude uh, with, you know, this really, okay, so we're really not talking about a story. As the grandfather leaves, right. he says, as you wish. Yeah. And so it's like, so this really hasn't been about this story, has it? It's been about how we can share this together and experience the same things, maybe experience the thrills, maybe experience the the comedy, the despair, the whatever it is. We can experience that together, crossing those generational gaps. And not to infuse depth into Princess Bride that maybe it doesn't warrant, but I do think mm-hmm. that's in the film. Yeah. And I think that that may be part of what appeals to me, this sort of timeless quality, not just to that individual story, but to the sharing of stories and to the, you know, there are things in this that I I love, and maybe this is more timely and topical than we'd like to admit. What's uh, the grandson doing on his sick day when the grandfather is, he's playing a video game. Granted, he's playing NES baseball, which I want that back, but he's playing a video game and his grandfather breaks in and is like, no, I'm going to sit here. That's that's almost a, a, a transaction that I would imagine rarely, if ever, happens anymore. Right. A grandfather sitting all day and reading a book cover to cover to the grandchild. And yeah. the mom brings in sandwiches at one point and they have lemonade and everything like that. I'm like, that is really, uh, the moment I hear about that, I'm immediately romantically enamored with that idea. Mm-hmm. And the screens are off and it's it's engagement, it's imagination, it's all of those kinds of things. And, and I would say that I'm, pushing a lot into The Princess Bride to highlight that, but it is in the film and didn't have oh, yeah. to be. Rob Reiner could have just made the fantasy story yeah. at its core and let that be that. That's what that's what the novel is, is mm-hmm. it's just the fantasy story. Uh, but the film they made includes this, you know, at that time, modern yeah. sharing of the story of a grandfather to his grandson. And I think that is a lot of what, on a subtextual level, really draws me to the story. And, uh, you know, the the film itself feels very lovingly made. There's a there's a yes. sensibility that ekes off the screen that of just a lot of affection. One final comment I'll make about it. Uh, for, for people who are fans of the movie, I would recommend Carrie Elway's book. Um, he wrote <laughs> a book called As You Wish that is the entirety about the making of and legacy of The Princess Bride. Hmm. Obviously, it's from his perspective, yeah. um, but it is a wonderfully written book. He talks a lot about Andre the Giant in it and just his presence on set and his yeah. presence as a, as a person, but talks a lot about just Rob Reiner's tone as a director, how, how Reiner chose to approach the subject, the relationships they had with the different cast members and everything. And, and, and for any even remote fan of the movie, I would recommend that book Hmm. wholeheartedly. It's wonderful and it's brief. Um, it's, it's a very, very good book. So yeah, if you're at all interested in, and I think that elevated it somewhat for me too. I already loved it, but then I read that book and I'm like, yeah, that, that, that movie is just great. 
Like, I just love that movie. Yeah. And you know, even in talking about it right now, I feel the need to rewatch it. Uh, <laughs> even though again, like I, I could tell you, I, I don't think I know it, you know, verbatim or anything, but I could Clearly tell you I all the either. parts, <laughs> right. I could tell you all the parts that I respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, those aren't going to change. Uh, right, right. This is not, uh, if I were to watch again, it's not going to reveal anything new to me, mm-hmm. but it's going to, it in a way, not unlike the grandfather with the son, it's like sitting down with a friend and yeah, uh, like an yeah. old friend that, that like, ah, this is nice. I yeah. remember this. It feels comfortable. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah. And I don't think that's anything to, to, uh, to scoff at. I think it's, it's not that you're scoffing, but like right. if people were like, oh, yeah, princess bride, whatever, I'm like. I don't know. There's well, a place for that. And comfort and familiarity is just as hard a thing to capture mm. as as any other emotion. Sure. It's one that maybe a lot of filmmakers aren't interested in capturing. Sure. Um but uh or they'll they'll fall too much into like a treacly sensibility or nostalgia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is more just like yeah, you might remember what it was to be like a kid sick or, or dealing with a grandparent or whatever it is, or discovering something for the first time, but it's not counting on that. Instead, it's more just like, like when, you know, when you're sick, when I'm sick, I will, uh, (laughs) I will have Jen go buy some Apple Jacks (laughs) uh, or some Honey Nut Cheerios or both. Mm -hmm. uh, And I will watch movies I've seen a million times uh, while I eat Apple Jacks. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm tired. It's time for a nap. Yeah. yeah. I'm not looking for a challenge when I'm sick. No. And you know, in a way one could say that like, yeah, life is very difficult not to imply that we're all sick or that life is sick, but life can be challenging enough. And sometimes you, you need the mm-hmm. equip, the film equivalent of a bowl of Apple Jacks, <laughs> which is, which is the princess bride. So I can think a few better notes to end on than the princess bride is the, is, is the cinematic equivalent of a bowl of Apple Jacks when you're sick. And on one hand, I feel like Rob Reiner would be like, Hey man, <laughs> screw you. On the other hand, he'd be like, man, I love Apple Jacks. <laughs> I feel um, like that would be yeah, what Rob Reiner would say. I, I, I think so too. Not to uh, say anything negative about him. Sure. But sure. Um, anyway, so yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, listeners, feel free to weigh in uh, with your own experiences of The Princess Bride and what you think of it. Uh, and we will go ahead and, and end there. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Reed, thanks for being here. Thank you. And we'll get you next time. Bye.